In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. To women who hoped to evade the ticking clock of time, Dr. Frederick Brandt was the most potent drug dealer in the world. And the dealer got high on his own supply. From Imperative Entertainment and the team behind Broken Hearts comes a new series that will challenge everything you know about fame, fortune, and the fear of growing old. I'm Justine Harmon, and this is The Baron of Botox. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is July 3rd, 2019, and I'm in Bridgeview, Illinois, where Atlanta United was eviscerated by Chicago 5-1 to one on Wednesday. The five goals were the most ever allowed by Atlanta United. They all came in the first half. The four-goal margin tied for the largest in Atlanta United's history. Uh, there was a red card to Leandro Gonzalez-Perez in the 11th minute, and Brandon Vasquez scored the only goal for Atlanta United in the 58th minute. It was his first league goal this season. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. I have Jason Longshore here, but first I want to go through the butcher's bill real quick <laughs> just uh, to set everything down. Calvo scored in the fourth minute, Sapong in the seventh, Gaitan in the 13th, Sapong in the 37th, Air Bears in the 44th. Chicago had 24 shots to Atlanta United's three, 10 on goal to Atlanta United's one, 628 passes completed to Atlanta United's 247 and 72% possession to Atlanta United's 28. Jason? It kind of reminded <laughs> me of uh, the first time these teams met at Bobby Dodd where Chicago had, I want to say it was like a 10th minute red card. It was early. And those types of passing numbers is how it went down. I think Atlanta might have ended up over 800 passes or something ridiculous. Um, before that, because I think there there's a couple of different chapters you have to look at with this one. Let's talk pre-red card first. Atlanta United was flat. Atlanta United gave up a goal in a set piece. That was an awful goal to give up because it was either – Something Chicago had in the bag, or it was something that they scouted. And I'm going to lean towards the latter because it was a late run from Calvo, and he was completely unaccounted for. Um, can't happen. And then you give up a goal on a counter off of an attacking set piece that you're just not prepared to defend. And that can't happen. Those two goals before the red card, before the situation that led to goal number three, you can't start games that way. And it feels like too many times Atlanta's had that type of start in matches. It hasn't been something that's happened week after week after week. It's been something that pops up, and it's happened too many times as a whole. Yeah, uh, 
touching on the first 10 minutes and then on that. So to, I wrote, you can find it on my Twitter handle at Doug Robertson AJC and on the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Really, it came down to three plays in the first 10 minutes, none of them made by Atlanta United. The first was Franco Escobar did not mark Calvo. He got close to him and tried to head away the corner kick but missed it, and Calvo was there to hammer it home. Yeah, he just didn't pick him up. Because yeah. when you go back and look at it, it, and this is why I think it's a scouted play, and I think that the fire were, were ready to deal with this, because Calvo, when Gaitan steps up to take the, the corner, Calvo's not in the shot. Calvo's probably 20 to 25 yards away from goal. He makes the late run, and Gaetan's ball is directly for Calvo. He's playing it to mm-hmm. his run. Escobar did not realize it, and if it's zonal marking, okay, fine. Somebody's got to pick him up when he comes in the zone. If it's man-to-man marking, nobody picked him up. It's just it's poor organization all the way around. The second misplay was Leandro Gonzalez-Perez just totally whiffing on this diagonal pass that came basically right to him. It took kind of a funny bounce right in front of him, and he tried to clear it. Whiffed, went right to Sapong. He put it right through Guzan's five hole. For yeah, the second goal. I think LTP got a touch, and Guzan should have done better there at the end of it, too, and neither one defended it well. But yeah, LGP's got to deal with that better. The third, Parkhurst didn't make his tackle. Similar to the Toronto game on that first goal, didn't make the tackle. Parkhurst was in at left fullback today. Uh, Leandro Gonzalez Perez slid in to try to block the shot. The ball hit his trailing arm. Red card, denial of obvious goal scoring opportunity, penalty, three to nothing in the thirteenth minute by that point after VAR. Uh, and the game is over. Um yeah. Line United down to ten men, three to nothing. They bring on Pogba. Pogba had a bad play that led yeah. to the fourth or the fourth or fifth goal. I've lost track at this point. He, he the, tried to make a good play and he turned it into a bad play. Yeah. He, he made a good um, tackle and it didn't play fast. Go, going back to Atlanta United and it's just goofiness on defense. This is not a DeBoer problem. This happened under Tata too, quite frequently. Um, but I think, and I was asking DeBoer this, and I asked Guzan this. You could kind of sense this coming. You could see it in the Columbus game in the U.S. Open Cup. Columbus had some really good moments of possession, created some opportunities that it just couldn't capitalize on. Toronto had some really, really good moments in the first half. Got the one goal, couldn't capitalize on its opportunities. Even Montreal, even though it bunkered on its counters, it was creating some decent opportunities, partially because of Atlanta United sliding and missing things and just missed assignments, couldn't capitalize. Chicago capitalized on almost every single chance and could have had another goal at the end of the game, but Guzan made two point-blank saves, and they had another shot that hit the post in the first half. So this is something that, to me, has been coming. Atlanta United has been kind of living a little bit dangerously. I don't think the defense was as good as the stats indicated. I think it can get back to being as good as the stats indicated. Uh, But this is not the way you want to go in facing Red Bulls on Sunday. Yeah, Red Bulls come into it in a bad way, too, with their match, which is kind of crazy that both teams come into this huge match off of five, off of four goal losses, 5-1 here, 4-0 in Houston, um, and Red Bulls had two red cards in that one. It, it, it's really weird that goes down, but about Atlanta United, I think that the team has – let me try to make this clear if I, if I can. Um, the team has defended well as a group this season. The actual back line – has looked shaky at times. And the reason they've defended well as a group is they have controlled possession in a lot of games, and when they control possession and when they are organized, they don't get beaten easily. When they're not controlling possession and it's a 50-50 game, 
it's back to where it was in the last two years where things would break down and, and you have those moments. They've also predominantly won the one-on-one battles that they lost right. today. Yeah, and I think the games where they have had bad early starts, it's been that. It's been bad 1v1 situations early on, and you're going to get caught out eventually in those moments. And Chicago is a team that you go back and watch their game against the Red Bulls last Friday. They played really well. They couldn't convert the chances. Today, they converted nearly everything. So uh, DeBoer said he's embarrassed, said he's ashamed. Uh, Guzan, similar, especially because there were a lot of Atlanta United fans among the alleged 13,476 people that were here. There was no way there were 13,000 people here. I was really worried about the crowd, and it did and, fill in and right at kickoff. A um, couple of positives from the game. DeBoer cited Vasquez, said he continued to work all game. Uh, he got the penalty, uh, cited Mikey Ambrose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everyone was equally as stunned by the Miles Robinson run that led to the penalty on Vasquez. Good on Miles. I don't know where Miles came from, where this idea came from, but it was like a 60, 70 yard run. Yeah. I thought it was, I tweeted it, that it was Dion. Because <laughs> what the hell, excuse my language, but what the heck is Miles Robinson doing in the opponent's penalty box all by himself? Miles had but had enough. But there he was, yeah. I think Miles had had enough. What, <laughs> the, the man of the match for us on radio was Julian Gressel as well. I, I thought he, he Gressel. Worked hard too. He worked hard. I honestly think he was subbed so he didn't run himself into the ground um, because he was trying everything. And he was what I really liked about it was he was taking a leadership role and trying to organize the, the people around him. Gressel was probably the first one to really respond in a big way after the red card and things were completely falling apart. I would like to go back and watch and see if I can find a wide-angle shot to see if somebody was supposed to have run with Sapong. Or not Sapong, with Calvo on that corner. I don't think so. I don't think there was anybody there. Did, yeah, somebody, though, somebody has to alert somebody. Yeah, no, the I, communication's got to be there. I don't know if it was Pereira, if it was Vasquez, if it was Gressel, or if it was Pitti, but one of those four guys, I think, is supposed to look for the late runners into the box. And maybe they did say it and nobody heard them. And that's possible. Who knows? Uh, but there's a responsibility there that was not met. Um, so now. We go to Red Bulls on Sunday. Uh, Atlanta United will be likely, unless Atlanta United can win a late appeal, and I don't think they're going to. There's um, no way they're winning. Leandro Gonzalez Perez. That likely means Robinson and Pogba are going to be your center backs. Parkers can't play left back again on Sunday. It's just too much. Uh, so Shea will likely be in at left back. Um, you know, th- there's a lot of disappointments in, in tonight's, and it's just too much to go into. Let's talk about something positive for one second. Let these guys go get dinner. What do you make of the Emerson Hyndman? I like it. I really like it because I feel like he is a player whose characteristics fit what Frank DeBoer wants as a as a as a as a midfielder, especially as a player who can play the six, the eight, the ten. He can really fill in any of those midfield roles, and we've seen it so many times this season where. You know, it's very fluid between Rometty and Nagby and and the Lorenowitz and, and Gressel. They all have to be able to function in all those roles. I think Heinemann is a great passer, and I think he will see a decent bit of time this year. But I also think the move is, is with an eye to 2020 because of the price you paid to Dallas to get him. I don't think this is a short-term loan situation. I think it's all but alone with that idea you're going to make the purchase going into the next window. Yeah, I, I'm curious about whose minutes he's going to take. 
Um, you know, Nagby has played every minute of every game, and Nagby is obviously a quality player. The one thing Nagby doesn't do that I'm not the first to say this, he completes a whole lot of passes, but very rarely does he split any lines right. with those passes. And I don't know if maybe DeBoer has kind of reached a point where he needs somebody who's going to do that. Um, and maybe that's going to be Heinemann. I don't know. You don't really have anybody out of your midfielders in that group outside of Gressel who does that. And Heinemann is a player who can give you that. And he's a player who can do it in a couple different ways. I think he can do it you know, with the shorter passing, but he has a good range as well. He can hit that long ball out of the midfield as well. So... I could see Heinemann playing, and I think we've seen Frank want to put Nagby in that central role in the midfield a few times where Rometty and Gressel flank him. I think that's a role where Emerson Heinemann could be a really good fit. It just depends on how fast he hits the ground running. I'd love yeah. to see him in the Open Cup next Wednesday if he's ready to go. Can he? Yes. That would be the 10th? That would be the 10th. Window opens the 9th. Yeah, I think it's likely he's going to play with Atlanta United, too, a little bit. It's possible. I, I think the Houston game at home might be the first time he makes an 18. That's yeah. just my guess. It's possible. Um, um, but nothing surprises yeah, me. Yeah, who knows at this point. We I mean, thought it's... Joseph was going to be in the 18th yeah. based upon Frank's very strong statements after the Montreal game, and he was not in the 18th. I think that the things that are going to be weird coming out of tonight, um, Dion Pereira, you know, he... Uh, Cracked heads with Bronico late, and at first it looked innocuous, but he didn't come back, and the team finished with nine. You have to wonder, you know, what is that recovery going to be like? Because Pereira had been playing well. Um, Parkhurst, you wonder if there's going to be any bit of a recovery because he took a, a shot or a clearance right to the chin. Um, I think it came off his chest first, but he was out of sorts, and we were concerned he wasn't going to come back because right, he had right. used all the substitutions at that point. But he finished the game out. You'll have to check to see how, how he bounces back if you have any any issues afterwards. And you want to see how this team bounces back mentally. And, and that's going to be the biggest thing. Um, it did sound like Frank was very clear in his displeasure and how upset he was and how this is not how Atlanta United should be playing. And it's an embarrassment. And how you bounce back from that is the biggest question that we will find out on Sunday. Because I think you have two teams that are embarrassed. Yeah, and two more points about that. Uh, when Atlanta United lost to Houston four to nothing last season, it bounced back and like didn't lose at its next eight or nine, something yep. like that. And then after the four one loss to Toronto at the end of last season, that cost it the Supporter Shield. It obviously bounced back in the playoffs and did well. So it does have good muscle memory uh, in regard to these types of defeats. Um, and with Red Bulls coming, after the way they lost that game earlier this season, they were up for 55 minutes a man, and Red Bulls snuck it in like the late in the mid-80s or something like that. Mm -hmm. They got the winning goal. Um, I'm sure Atlanta United is going to want some revenge. And twice now Atlanta United has had a chance, I believe, to catch Philadelphia. Twice they've spit the bit uh, badly. Uh, the loss to Toronto... And now this loss. Uh, of course, Philadelphia won tonight, so it was moot, but they had the chance and they didn't take advantage of it. One other thing that stands out before we wrap up, the player that was missing tonight that I don't think you have the same response if he's on the field is Eric Rometty. I think you see the 
We call him the bulldog from Bonfield. I mean, he gives you that scrappiness in the middle of the park. And I think early on when the game is turning the way it is, Rometty's going to go in strong for a tackle, knock somebody over, and give the team a little bit of an, an edge. And you didn't have that tonight, especially after LGP was red carded. Barco needs to wear one of those hats with a bulldog on it like these other odd hats that he wears with random animals. <laughs> I have not seen with, the bulldog yeah. trucker hat yet. Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. But he, I would he, get he, that. He needs that to give it to uh, Rometty. Yes. Um, all right, Jason, what do you have upcoming? Uh, no show tomorrow. We're not doing a soccer what? down here. It's July 4th, and we're traveling. Hey, and a, we're a pro's flying, pro would do a late. show. There's nothing more to say. We've said it all. That's nothing Mike Conti in the back. I had mercy on Mike Conti tonight. Didn't ask him to join. I don't want to say anything. You can listen to the full time report. We talked a lot about a lot of things, and you can listen to this a few times as well. We'll be back on Friday, and we'll be talking. Friday will probably be a long show because on top of Atlanta and Red Bulls. We might have a Gold Cup final to talk about with the U.S. men. Uh, they're trying to get back on the field in Nashville as we speak. And we will have a World Cup final to talk about with the women against the Netherlands. It's a crazy big weekend. And it's a crazy big weekend in Atlanta. I can't wait to see what the crowd is for the viewing party uh, ahead of the Atlanta Red Bulls match. I think it's going to be a massive turnout at the Benz for the women's match. That is true. Um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. On Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and I hope you'll subscribe to the Atlanta Journal Constitution for your coverage of Atlanta United. I will not be at training on Friday. One of our interns is going to be there. I will be at the lake uh, with my family for the Fourth of July holiday. Uh, but he will have stories for you uh, from Saturday, for Saturday, and for Sunday to advance the game. And then I will be covering the game with all the usual elements. All right, this is Doug Robertson from Bridgeview, Illinois where Chicago defeats Atlanta United 5-1. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.